you would, James chapter 3, verse 2. James chapter 3, verse 2. It says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Uh, We have been talking about guarding uh, your mouth, if you say so. Um, We started talking about Deuteronomy where it tells you that uh, he says that you can choose. He set before you, calls heaven to record against you this day that you have the ability to choose uh, life and death, and he tells you to go ahead and choose life and so uh, James is talking about the nature of your tongue and your tongue being the rudder of your life Um, it I I know that uh, we have been talking about this quite a bit uh, but it's interesting to me that over the last weeks we've been dealing with primarily two subjects Uh, number one watching your mouth and then number two uh, walking in the light you have And I think that in the times that we're in, this has become particularly important uh, for us because, you know, one of the things that we kind of touched on this a while ago, and uh, it's kind of hard to get people to understand that the very thing that is causing the problems today is really not so much a disease in as much as it is the fear of the disease. Uh, the Bible talks about there comes the time where men's hearts will fail them for fear. Um, if you would want to blame someone for the tra- tragedies and travesty of all of the deaths that we've experienced, you really should start looking at the media. Uh, because there has been a fear perpetuated uh, that has gotten people to begin to say things that they should not say. Um, you know, that's why the Bible says that, you know, I'll get back to my notes in a minute because I'm not really sure exactly where we're going, but we're just going to go with it. Um, this is why the Bible says that corrupt communication or bad communication corrupts good morals. In other words, uh, you know, it's not okay to let your kids just hang around anybody. Uh, you know, it's, it's your responsibility as a parent, whether they like it or not, to help them choose who they associate with. And, of course, in their minds, everybody's okay, but that's not the case. And I know that a lot of times uh, kids can be very upset. Why can't I hang out with so-and-so? Well, so-and-so does not believe the way we believe. Um, you know, and, and because of that, who you hang around will ultimately rub off on you. That's why the Bible says that bad communicate, evil communication corrupts good morals. Uh, you know, you, what you're around constantly has an effect on you, whether you think 
it does or not. This is why it's so important when someone first uh, tends to get connected to church, uh, if it's a female, then usually some guy pops up out of nowhere uh, that begins to gain their interest, and his sole purpose is really just to pull them out of church. If it's a guy, then it's usually some girl that pops up somewhere, and her sole purpose unbeknownst to the individual is to pull them away from God Uh, that's how Satan works Satan knows that whatever you choose to associate yourself with will ultimately affect you and ultimately infect you and so when you begin to absorb an immense amount of media and an immense amount of uh, propaganda is the best way I can put it Uh, It begins to change your perception. And then it's amazing to me how much uh, information that would quell your fears is banned and blocked by these social media platforms. They delete it. They remove it uh, because they need you to stay in a heightened state. Uh, In a heightened state, I I remember a study that was done. And uh, the study was in association with fear and people's response and attentiveness. And so what they did was they had a very attractive uh, woman who would walk around and engage different men and give them her phone number and then leave. And then what they did was they had the same woman who waited for people to come off of a uh, roller coaster ride, and then she would give them her phone number. And they found statistically that the ones who had just gotten through this very extreme experience remembered her information faster and and quicker and more so than those that didn't. And this is one of those things that, uh, you know, if you were to say player 101 school, uh, this is why guys like to take girls to scary movies. I'm not a fan of scary movies. I think they're demonic from the beginning to the end. So it's just not something that I've ever been into. But it is a, a, a known fact that if you can get her scared, she wants to cling to somebody. And guess what? You just happen to be there. Um, you know, that's a dangerous place because it's highly manipulative. But I want you to understand the concept behind it. Because the concept behind it is if I can keep you in a heightened state of awareness, then I have the ability to control and manipulate and influence what you think and feel. Uh, And with that becomes the impetus behind all movements. Uh, Their desire is to catch you slipping. You become emotionally uh, connected to something that you may seem as it feels an injustice, let's say, And then, of course, they use that to heighten your state of awareness and then begin to influence you to make very poor decisions. It's a game. And and I want you to understand because I'm not trying to glorify uh, anything that Satan does. I'm trying to expose his methodology. And when his methodology becomes clear, then you get woke. Are Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so when people start to tell you what you ought to think and what you ought to feel and what you ought to believe, it's always a sure sign that that's something you should investigate for yourself. Because when you begin to get woke, you start to see there's a plan at work. 
and it's a very concerted plan, it's a very clear plan, and it is not hidden to anyone who is a believer. It is hidden to the world because they are caught in a system in which they cannot see. That's why the Bible says according to the course of this world. The word course is the Greek word uh, rooted in kata. Kata means a system. It means a path. Um, In martial arts, when you go from a uh, white belt to a yellow belt or whatever, as you progress in the ranks, you perform katas. Katas are routines. Uh, They don't change. They're always the same. So when you understand that a person is caught in the course of this world, then they are literally in a system that has been pre-designed for them. It is not, they say they have free choice and free will, but they do not have free choice and free will. They are literally following a pattern that has been established by Satan to lead you into the world system. The earth and the world are not the same. The earth is the physical body of, of, of which is dirt and, and water and earth and wind and fire and all that. That is the natural systems of the earth. But the world is an actual system that functions. It is a paradigm. It is a, uh, a way of living. It's a way of life. It's a financial system. And it works in a certain way. And it is not to the benefit of the believer unless the believer knows their rights and begins to take their authority and function in that authority in this world. That's why God gave you the authority that he gave you, not that you would be subject to the patterns of the world, but that you would be a disruptor of the things of the world. The problem is once you become a disruptor of the things of the world, then you set yourself at odds with the world. And most Christians are too pacifist. They're too scared. They're too much... uh, as dad would say, lily-livered, <laughs> yellow, to engage the world in such a way to be controversial because isn't it funny how the world can say things about Christians and it's just their freedom of speech. But when a Christian says something about what they believe, then it's categorized as hate speech. And so we then become silenced by the fear of people's opinions. But there's a moment where you become delivered from what people think and you move out of the crowd and you have a higher state of consciousness and awareness when you begin to allow yourself to function from where God functions. And then God begins to reveal more unto you so that you can live in this world and say the things that need to be said and to deal in a way that needs to be dealt That way you are not subject to what the world wants and now you are not in the herd mentality of I'm going to say everything the world is saying but I realize that anything the world says that is contradictory to the word of God then I'm going to continue to say the word of God because you are not going to rudder my life into a ditch because you continue to say the same things over and over and over again. That's fine because that's what you believe. So when people say God works in mysterious ways, it's mysterious to you. You can keep saying that and you'll keep getting surprised and shocked every time something happens. But as for me and my house, we will not serve Satan, and we will not allow Satan to influence our mouths so that you can see in our lives the fruit of what you have planted. That's why it says your mouth is the rudder of your life. Not what other people say. Not even what God says. (laughs) Your mouth is the rudder. Not God's mouth, yours. Well, can't God make me do? No. 
that would violate everything he believes. It, it, it's, it's very similar to the idea that if, if you're in a relationship, uh, let's say you're married, about to be married or whatever, you would prefer the person who says they love you to love you of their own choice. Unless you're a stalker or something's <laughs> clinically wrong with you. You want them to love you of their own volition, of their own choice. You don't want them to feel like they are forced. <laughs> and this is one of those dysfunctions in relationships where some people need to be needed. And they wonder why they're in a bad relationship. It's because they need to be needed instead of needing to be wanted. I'd rather you want me than to need me. Because need means it's a dependency, and in the stages of all lives, things change. And as things change, your needs change. When your needs change, if you don't want me, when your need changes, then I become obsolete. <laughs> then you end up on my couch. <laughs> trying to figure out, Pastor, tell me what happened. Y'all wasn't supposed to be together in the first place. Never mind. <coughs> so let's go to Proverbs 10, or Proverbs 18. I'm not sure who that was for, but you can take it if you want it. If you don't, pass it to somebody behind you. I'm sure they want it. Proverbs 18, <coughs> verse 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and the increase of his lips shall he be filled. 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Isn't it something how a man's belly shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth? I mean, there, there's, there's some contrast there. In other words, what you're telling me is my stomach will be filled with what comes out of my mouth, not what goes in it. The natural thinking would be that whatever goes in my mouth would fill my stomach. But he's saying that whatever comes out of your mouth is what will actually fill your stomach or take care of your needs. And it says, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So if you're one of those people, because there's people, they call themselves uh, contrarians. You know, they, they just always are contradictory to everything. You, you, you post a, a, a Facebook post and say, I love dogs. And the first thing they say is, why do you hate cats? It's like, dear Jesus, really? It's just, were you just waiting? But see, when people live that way, they talk that way. And when they talk that way, then that's why they get, because they love it. They love it. And then they eat the fruit thereof and wonder why the fruit is bitter, the fruit is sour, the fruit is not providing what they want in their lives. I mean, they're... There are certain people that I've known over the years. Everything's a problem. You just see them coming. You want to go the other direction. You're like, oh, dear God, here we go. And don't ask how you're doing. Because <laughs> how you're doing opens a whole floodgate of craziness. But then they wonder why they're living in craziness. <laughs> so that's why I said if you love it, that's the fruit you'll eat. So, you know, if you like a certain type of thing 
and you find it to be so entertaining and fascinating, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm telling you is so important that people don't realize is don't put your mouth on other people. There are some people that love that. They just can't wait to have a gossip session. They, and you know what gossip, the definition of gossip is having a conversation with someone who cannot affect change to the situation. They're not a principal in the situation. They're not an authority in the situation, but you're having conversations. Asking all kinds of things you had no business being involved in. But you call, I'm just a concerned, I was just curious. No, you are a gossiper. And that's why the Bible says that busy bodies, busy about being about other bodies and not being busy about your own body. Like the old times would say, get you a piece of business so you can work that. But when you love that, that's what begins to produce the fruit in your life and you become surrounded with the things that you did not want. And then you wonder how they got there. I never succeed. I never do this. I never get these chances. And you always hear that. uh, You hear it from kids, and it strikes you as odd when they say it, but then you don't realize as adults you say the same thing. First thing a kid says, I never get to, I never get anything. Lies. You want a present? Go flip the light switch. Merry Christmas. Lights came on. Merry Christmas. You know when you went to take a shower and you turned the faucet and the water came out? Feliz Navidad. I never get anything. I never get to do what I want. I never get the drama. But do you know adults, you say the same thing. And you know what happens because you say you never? Well, if you say so. Proverbs 6.2. Some people have become so used to it that they're literally trained to speak death. And they have no idea their coping mechanism in adverse situations is to speak death. It's like, you know, I I hate to say it, but there's some, some people that were raised where they're like, you know, Things are going well. First thing they'll say is something bad has got to be happening soon. Things are going too well. What are you talking about? Why would you even say such a thing? But see, it's been ingrained, and you've been trained to expect bad. And then you wonder why that's what happens. Instead of realizing, I cannot continue to prophesy over my own life. Because if your words carry greater weight than God's do, then what makes you think that God's going to override your words? If you call it a certain way and he's, his words don't have greater power in your life, then where did I tell you to go? Proverbs 6.2. Look what it says. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. It's one thing to get snared, to be caught in the trap. It's another thing to be taken. Uh, You know, when you understand trapping, uh, in not today's language of what trapping means, (laughs) but what trapping actually means, 
is when they would set a trap and an animal would step in that trap and the claw would lock onto them and they're now trapped. And then you have to come take them. And you release them out of that trap and now you've captured the animal. He said, you are snared with the words of your mouth and you are taken with the words of your mouth. So that means you could get yourself snared and fix your mouth and get yourself and keep yourself from being taken. If you caught it fast enough. So many people snare themselves and they keep on it. I remember one time I was playing this video game years ago and uh you know it was a multiplayer game and we were, it was three of us fighting this one bad guy, and he fell off a cliff. And I was so engaged that I went off the cliff with him, swinging all the way down, and, and he died and I died. <laughs> right? And all, and all our friends are laughing. They're like, you, you really committed on that one, didn't you? <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, yeah, yeah, I, I did. But you know how many people do that? they so committed that they go right off the cliff realize they went off the cliff and just keep at it with their mouth and then wonder why they're reaping the very things that they have snared themselves with and now they are taken, caught and trapped with their own words. Proverbs 13, 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth, keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. He that guards his mouth keeps his mouth, keeps his life. If you actually begin to realize, there, man, there are times where there are things that I want to go in on that the Lord will just check me and go, don't you dare. I was having a, a conversation. We had a contractor uh, looking at some things we wanted to do to the house. And he started in on this particular realtor. And, you know, this particular realtor, because we both knew this person, uh, they didn't do such a good job. Let's just say it that way. But he went in. And my response was, bless her darling heart. God bless her. You want to know why? <laughs> you have to be careful. Because some things are just bait. And if you're going to be a man or woman of God, you have to learn. See, there, there are people, that, you know, I call them shock jocks. They have learned to be so controversial uh, whether it be in media or whatever it is, they've used controversialness in order to build a platform. And so everything they do is just shocking. It's jarring to you. And it's really to garner attention. But the reality is when they use that to begin to beat up on different ministries and ministers, you know, listen, if you know how to do it better, then go do it. Go do it and show everybody the right way something is supposed to be done. But when you find people constantly putting their mouth on other ministers and ministries and judging what this person's doing and that person's doing, you have to then remind yourself of who the great accuser is. Oh, yeah. 
Because God said, who am I to judge another man's servant? He said, uh, whether he stands or falls, I make him do that. We don't know what's going on and what God is doing in people's lives, and we hope that the same mercy God is showing them would then be the same mercy God shows us. But people are so critical to the point where they think it's entertaining because we are a culture of entertainment. We're looking for the next controversial thing. And the reality is that if you can keep your mouth, you'll keep your life. <laughs> it, it is uh, Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction. <laughs> and his lips are the snare of his soul. Your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul. And your mouth is the snare of it. Because whatever the heart believes, why do you think the Bible tells the tells you to guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life if you got issues i'm telling you they came out of your heart and that's why it tells you to guard your heart because the snare of your soul your mind will and emotions is your mouth and how you think how you believe you, you ever meet somebody that's just so emotional that it's almost like you can't even ever get logic into them. You have to find moments to speak logic because they're, they're, you're just trying to catch them at the right moment. Well, that's a person who has never checked their soul. They don't know how to possess their soul. They don't know how to control their soul. They don't know how to tell their soul, shut up. Whatever comes up, comes out. Their mind, will, and emotions are in control at all times. And your lips become the snare of your soul. Because then what is in the abundance of the heart, the Bible says the mouth speaks. And so what we have to know is your mouth can become your destruction or it can become your safety. Watch Proverbs 12, verse 6. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for the blood, but the mouth of the upright, but the mouth of the upright shall. Listen, if your mouth can deliver you out of hell, then your mouth should be able to deliver you about just about anything. And so when you find yourself in situations, you have to know that your mouth can get you out of it. But you're going to have to train it to be the rudder. And just like in anything else, you got to know that, you know, when you, when you pilot a boat, uh, boats don't stop on a dime. And so when you pilot a boat, if you change the rudder, it takes a little bit to get that thing to start going a different direction. You've got to add more power. And you've got to be patient and have timing straight. That's why when you come in to dock a boat, you don't just park it like you're parking in a, uh, a parking space. You've got to float it. You've got to time it. You've got to understand drift. You've got to know wind direction. You've got to understand what you're up against. And you kind of coast right on into a spot. When you begin to understand the rudder concept, then you realize your mouth can't change 
for a short period of time and then change back. Because some of you, your, your mouth, you start talking the right things, but you don't stay with it long enough. And so now you're still drifting from all the other seeds you sowed. And your mouth has not caught up yet. Or let me say your life has not caught up to your mouth. And if you're not careful, you will allow your mouth to dictate. Because once you change back, then it continues on the path that you're on. And then, of course, now you're in the middle of destruction. And that's why I said, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. And then he says, but the mouth of the upright shall do what? It shall deliver it shall set you out of the situation and get you out of the snare. Let's go to uh, Psalms 106. Verse uh, 32. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Now, <clears throat> let's go, uh, keep your finger here. Do you all have the God's Word translation back there? By any chance? Uh, numbers, stay, we're going to come back to this, but Numbers 20, verse 1. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin for the f- in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. As the people chode uh, with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there. Wherefore have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us into an evil place? There it is no place of seed or figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take a rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes and it shall give forth his water and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock and thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and he said unto them here now ye rebels must we fetch you water out of this rock And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Isn't it interesting how... Their report is, you brought us to a land with no figs, no this, no water, no that. Did you bring us out here to die? That's their mouth. Notice, there's no recordation whatsoever of Moses and Aaron saying anything as these people are talking. 
all they did was turn to the tabernacle. They fell before God, and God said, let me tell you what to do. Get everybody together, and then I want you to speak to this rock, and when you do, I'm going to make water come out for everybody. Moses takes his rod, and he tells everybody, y'all are a bunch of rebels. And then he proceeds to rebel. This is why in Corinthians it talks about how you judging people and do the same thing. Because you have to be careful judging people lest you find yourself in a situation to have to do the very same thing that you judge them for. So he's standing here with a rod in his hand calling them rebels and then proceeds to rebel against God. And God, in his infinite wisdom, lets water come out anyway to feed those that don't know any better. Then he pulls the ones who did know better, who kept their mouth shut, but now couldn't keep it, and says, they're going to go in. You're not. You mean to tell me I sacrificed all of this to get these people out here, to bring them this far, and I can't go in anymore? Let's go back to Psalms 106, verse 32. I'm going to read it to you in a God's Word translation. Verse 32 and 33, it says, They made God angry by the water at Meribah. Things turned out badly for Moses because of what they did. Since they made him bitter so that he spoke recklessly. (laughs) Y'all picking up where I'm about to go? See, because what you have to understand is there are people who are on assignment. To, to bait you into speaking recklessly. And you have got to be mindful because if Satan cannot bring you into the fight directly, he will put somebody around you that will draw you into a fight. Because he knows that once you're in the fight, especially if you become bitter, you'll start speaking Recklessly. You'll start talking in a way you really know you shouldn't be. And then Satan's laughing all the way to the bank with your health, with your stuff. Dad Hagen tells a story about a man. He was 90-something years old. And he owned uh, businesses, very successful And he said one thing he noticed about this man, and they had, I I guess earlier in his life, they told him he wouldn't live that long. And he lived, you know, well into his 90s. And he said one of the things he noticed working with this man, he said this man would never say anything bad about somebody. He said he just wouldn't. And he said there was a a man in town that was a war veteran, and he 
pretty much lost it, in other words, lost his mind. And there were times where he would go on a rampage with a knife and start just cutting people. And ultimately, this man got into a bad situation and ended up being killed. And so people in the town were relieved because he was no longer menacing the town. And so they were having a conversation about this man, and he was watching this 90-year-old guy, and they kept saying things, and he just refused to respond. And finally, he just walked away and never said a word. And this man began to tell him, he said, when, when, the Lord, uh, when they told me I wasn't going to live, the Lord told me if I would guard my heart and keep my mouth straight, he said, I, I would live a long and healthy life. He said, and that taught him something of how to interact with people. Because, see, if Satan can't get you into a fight directly, he'll send people to get you bitter. And next thing you know, you're bitter about a fight that you don't even have a dog in. <laughs> Y'all better hear me. And then so now what people do is they take up a cause. And then they now have a cause. I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. They take up a cause. And now they have a cause. For this reason. Some are sick, weak, and some die. He says for this cause. Why? Because with a believer, there has to be a cause. That's why he said, for this cause or for this reason. He said, some are sick, some are weak, and some die. There has to be a cause for a believer. Now, if you are a non-believer, then Satan can do whatever he would like to do when he would like to do it. But if you are a believer, there has to be a cause. Satan cannot bring accusation against you without having a valid cause. Why do you think he brought a case against Job? Why didn't he just say, you know, I, I just want to attack Job? Why didn't he just go after him? He brought a case before God. He said, let me tell you what Job would do. If you would just take your hand off of Job, I will do this and I could do that. And God said, you know what? You can do whatever you want. Just don't kill him. And of course, long story short, Job eventually got it together and got double for his trouble. But why do you think it was necessary to bring a case? Because there has to be a cause. And if you study how Job responded, even his wife was like, Job, you, she, you just see her walking away from Job. Look, just curse God and die. Quit talking about it. Sheesh. Who wants a wife like that? I need you to speak some scripture to me, honey. Pray with me. Believe God with me. Let's have some right conversations, not just curse God and die. What kind of advice is that? But did you notice his friends? All, everybody's trying to get him bitter so he would speak recklessly. 
And then you got people running around singing, the Lord gives and he takes away. <laughs> well, it's in the Bible. Of course it is. It's a true, it's a true stated or truly stated, but it's not a statement of truth. That was the light he had. He thought that's what was going on in the situation he was in. But when you have better light, more is expected of you. That's why Moses struck the rock and water came out. He said, they don't have light. So they're going to complain and gripe. But you, you knew better not to open your mouth. You turned to me. I gave you the answer. And I wanted you to do it in a way that would surprise them, that they would know that there's a God in Israel. I wanted you to speak to it and have them be amazed at the water coming out of it. And you short-circuited my miracle because they made you mad and now you want to speak recklessly and now you have undercut the plan and now you're not going. This is Moses, El Jefe. He says you became... They made him bitter so that he ended up speaking recklessly. <laughs> you really need to recognize when people are coming at you to get you to talk recklessly. Because that's what the design is. That's what the plan is. Satan knows he can't come at you directly. So he's going to have to come through people. And I'm telling you, you're not mad at them. We wrestle not against flesh and blood because they don't know. They really don't know the plan. They don't know they're on assignment. <laughs> Deuteronomy 3. Deuteronomy 3, verse 23. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven and earth, or in earth, that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon but the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me and the Lord said unto me let it suffice thee speak no more unto me of this matter he started with Lord who is great as you are <laughs> nobody is as great and powerful and magnanimous and auspicious as you are. Can I go over? No. And let this be sufficient? Don't ask me again. <laughs> come on, y'all. It's like my child. You know, they come with compliments. Three years old. You're such a great daddy. You want to play with me? No. 
And don't ask me again and let that be your sufficient answer. <laughs> Verse 27, get thee up in the top of Pixah and lift up thine eyes westward, northward, southward, and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shall see. <laughs> you know, okay, if I'm not going to go, why make me look at it? See, God's still mad. He's like, I gave you the answer, and you should have known better. It's one thing to let people with no light. See, I, this is the place where it ties together. Walking in the light you have versus falling down to a level of light other people have. And if you're not careful, you will compare yourself with people with lesser light and wonder why they're not suffering through some of the things you've had to suffer through, even though they said the same things. So you're like, well, you know, so-and-so was talking too. You know, uh, <laughs> Dad Higgin told a story about how he was in, he was talking to uh, a group of ministers and one of the ministers in another town had, had just been kind of booted out of the pastorate. He had a failure, made some mistakes and things like that, and it was pretty bad. And so they were all talking about it, and he was standing there with them, and they said some things, and he really just kind of listened and, um, and walked away. He said, and then he was in his room, and they had, uh, you know, back in those days when electricity was first being put into buildings, they had the pull chain light. I don't know if you guys, I know where I grew up in the basement was always one of them pull chain lights, but you had to walk through 10 feet of darkness to get to it. So, so you know, if you was anything like me, you ran, pulled that puppy as fast as you could. And then, of course, when it was time to go out of the, <laughs> I sold a house one time in, in Delaware. It was down in the rural section. And, uh, they used to do what they called a radon test. And a radon test was this little can. looked like a can of tuna fish. And you would pull the tab on it, and then you would sit it in the center of the basement of the house, and it would collect spores, and it would tell you if the house had radon or not. And so uh, <laughs> the inspector asked me, he, he's like, if you're going down there, would you mind just taking this thing and dropping it down there? So I said, sure, no problem. So I drove down there, and I mean, this house, there's no electricity because the house is, is like, uh, it's an older home. And so it's, the basement is all stone. And so I go to walk down there, and I'm thinking, there's no electricity in here. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And the further I got down the steps, the darker it got. And so I wasn't really saved at that moment. <laughs> and... Uh, so I get down to the, to the basement of this thing, and I'm telling you, I heard something big, large, and with lots of fur move. And that was it for me. So I threw the radon test, and I went, 
flying up the steps. So the home inspector called me about a week later, and he says, he goes, I think there's, there might be some animals in the basement or something. And I said, why do you say that? He goes, because the, the, the radon test was drug all off into the corner. <laughs> and he's like, and I mean, you said it in the middle, right? I was like, I sure did. <laughs> I said, they got something going on down there. I don't know what it is, but anyway. <laughs> so I told you that to make you laugh because some of y'all look real, real serious right now, and I just need you to laugh a little bit right before we smack you. So, <laughs> so he hit the pull chain, turned the light out, and, got, and was getting ready to get in bed, and the room lit back up again. And so he, he was praying by the bed, so he got up and was like going to go pull the light switch again to turn it off, and Jesus was standing there. And he said, who are you to judge another man's servant? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, who are you to judge another man's servant? So he said it to him three times. Finally, he realized what, who he was talking about. And he says, well, I really didn't say anything. I was just standing there. He said, whether he rises or falls, he says, does he serve you or does he serve me? And Dad Higgins said, well, I suppose if he serves anybody, he serves you. He said, well, then I'm able to make him stand, ain't I? You imagine that conversation. Then he said the room went pitch black. And that was the end of it. He said, and he realized from that moment forward, they were not his discussion, and it was not even to sit around it. That was the point I was trying to get you to see. He didn't even open his mouth. He just entertained it. Now, why would he do that for him? And possibly, because we don't know for sure, but not the other ones. Because he had more light on the matter. <laughs> Trying to get you to see something. When you have more light on the matter, you are expected to handle things differently. And then you will be looking at other people, wondering why they're not getting judged on the same situations And he said later on he got to know this man and uh, come to find out his, his wife was a trip and she just twisted off on him and all kinds of stuff. And he tried his best and did his best, but they didn't, nobody knew that until they took the time to get to know him, which they never did. They just talked about him. <laughs> Isn't that something? See, what I'm trying to get you to understand the principle of is very simple. They made him bitter, and he spoke recklessly. They still got water. They still made it in. But he didn't. God expected more out of him. 
this is why you can't be uh, judgmental about people who have little, a little bit of light. Because even if they have a little bit of light, if they walk in that light, they'll be just fine. Let's, uh, 1 Corinthians 9. There are a few minutes left, and uh, I think we'll make it. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. You ready? I therefore so run, not as uncertain, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. One translation says, lest I be disqualified. Just because you are forgiven doesn't mean you are qualified. He said, I run my race in such a way that I keep my body under subjection. I bring it into uh, submission. He said, lest that by any means, when I have preached to everyone else, I myself should become a castaway. Which means just because I'm saved doesn't mean I'm qualified. There's a process of still being qualified and living out and walking out that's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not walk in your, work in your salvation or work for it. You cannot work for your salvation, but you are to work it out with fear and trembling. You are to live in such a way. I'm telling you, y'all, you have to see this because so many people will have something bad to say about every single person in every single situation, and you've got to be very, very careful that you don't become bitter enough to open your mouth to allow something to be said that should not be said. Because they would love nothing more to bait you in. That's why I said, i got to keep myself under. God's not going to look at so-and-so and be like, oh, they did it, so that's why I did it. This is why peer pressure is such an issue for young people. Because their desire to fit in is so great that they'll do anything to accomplish fitting in. When the Bible never called you to fit in. The Bible never called you to be just one of the crowd. The Bible called you to be ye separate and to be different. Well, in a world where difference is only celebrated when it's evil. Rebels without a cause. But yet and still, when you want to be different and holy for God, then people want to clown you and they want to... Yeah, I know. You ready? Luke chapter 4. I think we're going to wrap here. I think y'all have had enough. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my punch meter is <laughs> overfloweth. 
Guys, we've got to get this. I'm telling you, this is the difference. If you want to know what the tipping point is, um, in, in the business world, they have what they call the tipping point. It's the, it's, the, it's the moment that it goes over. And so many people have been fighting to get to a certain place of success, a certain place of healing, a certain place of prosperity. And, and they feel like they're bucking up against the line. It's almost like, you know, when you work out and you feel like you've plateaued. Uh, you know, the, the problem with plateauing is you become discouraged because you don't see any more progress. And when you don't see any more progress, then you think you've missed the boat. And a lot of times the point that will push you over to where you get back into the swing again, there's always something minor that you might be missing. You're not drinking enough water. You're not doing enough cardio. You're not eating properly. I mean, there's little pieces to all of this. And then when you figure out what that piece is, it's the tipping point. All of a sudden, the floodgates open, and you're moving off in it. And what I'm trying to help you to understand is this is that tipping point. If you really want it and you really want to get after it, you have to learn in the moments where you are challenged how to not allow yourself to get bitten off into things that will cause you to become bitter and then speak recklessly. Because I'm telling you, people who can't control their mouth are always the ones, I just had to tell you how I felt. I was mad in the moment. I said what I, no, listen, once you release it, you cannot pull it back. And people who are immature can't keep their mouth under control. And that's why I said, if you can bridle your mouth, you can bridle the rest of your body. And then, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like that little video is going around called, you know, try Jesus, don't try me. It's like, don't test me because I'll throw hands in a minute. Now, listen, that's, that's funny. Ha ha. But the problem is it's tragic because so many people live there. And so, and Satan knows you will speak recklessly. So he'll create a situation All these other things didn't bother you. But then so-and-so called you and told you, girl, did you hear about Pastor so-and-so? And And next thing you know, it's a button. Did you hear about Sister so-and-so? What she said about you? It's a button. And you don't know that that button is wired so deep in you Satan's been watching you. He's been listening to every conversation you've ever had since the beginning of time. That's why when David said, my enemies who observe me, there are familiar spirits watching everything you do. They are studying you. They studied your grandmama. That's why when you watch some of these shows where they're saying, oh, uh, your grandma came through and told me to tell you she buried one of her wedding rings in in the backyard on the northeast corner of the fence and they go look for it and it's there and they think their grandmama came through to tell them that no it was a familiar spirit that watched your grandmother do that a hundred years ago and that familiar spirit has information and knowledge because they don't die And so now it got you believing in soothsayers and 
horoscopes and all kinds of mediums and all kinds of nonsense. Oh, that person communicates with the dead. Oh, okay. Now information comes at you in a way that all of a sudden the greatest problem seems to tie into the very thing that you hate the most. And it makes you angry, and then you want to talk recklessly. And now you have literally destroyed your seed in one moment of you being unable to control your flesh. Luke 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led excuse me, by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended and afterward hungered, the devil said to him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone to be made bread. Now, first of all, you know, this is a Snickers commercial. Because here he is hungry, and now Satan says, now I'm going to come after him and talk to him. Because you know how some of y'all are when y'all haven't eaten <laughs> in a while, a couple hours. He's 40 days, but y'all, you know, y'all got 40 minutes. And then it's like you turn into a monster. devil said to him, if thou be the son of man or son of God, and he gave him something to do. In Luke 3, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God spoke that from the heavens. And the very next thing that happens is the first thing Jesus, or Jesus is challenged on is if you really be the son of God, Command this stone to be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. And the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. Now, it's interesting because Jesus' response is, the devil said unto him, all this power I give thee and the glory of them, for it is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Next verse. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Verse 8. Jesus answered and said unto him, quit lying, Satan. You don't have that kind of power. So then Satan has that power. He offered it to Jesus. He didn't know Jesus was going to take it, but he offered it. So then he has it, doesn't he? And notice what he says, I'll give it to whomever I will. This is why it's interesting how people will try to, how do I say it? They try to use the world system to prosper, never realizing Satan doesn't will to give it to you. Therefore, you can play the world system all you want to, but he does not will to give it to you. He can only give it to whomever he wills, and he is not willing to give it to you. 
So therefore, the only way for you to walk in the fullness of what God has for you is he has to give you authority to make it happen. <laughs> Y'all are missing the message here. So this is why when he said, whoever I will, I give it to whoever I will. So then when you see someone who's worth $89 billion, they'll never be able to spend all that money in their lifetime. Satan willed to give it to them. Why? Because as long as they held it, you can't. And you see certain people in the world, and you wonder, how in the world did they get this? He willed to give it to them. They're not serving God. They're serving him. So whatever's in his will to do, he will do. But you want to get in there and try to be buddy-buddy with him, realizing he doesn't will to give you a thing. The thief cometh for you to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his will concerning you. But Jesus said, I have come, which reveals his will towards you, that you might have and enjoy life to the full, till it overflows. So notice then what he says, verse 8, Jesus answers unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Here we go. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and said unto him, If thou be a son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answered him and said, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all temptation, he departed from him for a season. One translation says, He departed and looked for a more opportune time. See, some of you don't know that he doesn't keep coming at you constantly. He's looking for moments. <laughs> He's looking for moments to begin to mess with you. You know, so for example, somebody who you're in a relationship with comes home late. They're usually home by 5 o'clock. 5.15 happens and your mind starts going. And he starts telling you stuff. They're probably messing around. Never mind the fact they got held up at work. Not held up, but held up. <laughs> Something occurred, you know, they're just running a little behind. Your mind starts going a mile a minute. You know, you, you watch some of these creepy, uh, scary movies, and then you're in the house by yourself, and then you hear a creak, and all of a sudden, you know, Friday the 13th is upstairs, and you're ready to run out the house. Come on, y'all. And then you know you heard, <laughs> you didn't hear that. But see, Satan started working. He's looking for moments. He's looking for moments. Moses was fed up. He's like, these people have gotten on my last nerve. And then here they are. Did you bring us out here to die? How many times did they ask him, did you bring us out here to die? He's finally like, I have had enough. You rebels, watch me rebel. And I'm going to rebel like no one has ever rebelled before. So 
Satan's always looking for those moments. And every time, Jesus responded with the word. Every time. It is written. It is written. So then Satan said, well, let me give you a little bit of word, since that's what you want to respond with. And Jesus said, no, let me, let me hit you with a hermeneutical lesson. Amen. This is hermeneutics right here. He said, yes, the word does say that the angels will bear me up. He said, but if you push me off this mountain, the angels will come catch me. But if you're asking me to jump of my own volition, I'm not doing that. That's a violation of God's word. See, can you imagine trying to teach the word to he who is the word? The audacity, the boldness. <laughs> That's why people are like, Pastor, I think you should do this. I don't care what you think. How many churches have you started? How many churches have you pastored? Well, I just, think, I just think it should be done. I don't care what you think. You don't qualify. Quit talking to me, criminal. <laughs> Pastor, you said something in your message, and I just don't think. Did I use scripture? Because if I did, take it up with the Lord. But see, people become so self-inflated in their own minds, they'll challenge And I'm telling you, that's always a sign. Satan's working. Because do you know how bold you got to be to challenge the word? Quote word to the word? Like Jesus is going to fall for that? I want you to see this, the recklessness of it. But he came in a moment where he was fasting. It came in a moment where his flesh was weaker and he thought he was going to get him to trip up. And he held his confession. He held his mouth in the midst of all the craziness. And the Bible says Satan left for a more opportune time. Some of you wonder why Satan keeps coming at you. because it's, it's still the opportune time. It's working. <laughs> why do I keep going from problem to problem? It's working, if you say so. I can never seem to catch a break. It's working. There's nothing, listen, when, when, when you understand anything uh, from a testing standpoint, you do something, you test how it works, and then you adjust. One of the things they have is called the OODA loop. And the OODA loop is uh, fighter pilots are taught the OODA loop. And it's to observe, orient, decide, act, observe, orient, decide, act, and it's a loop. And it causes you to observe what's going on, orient yourself to it, make a decision, act on it, and you got to go back around again and see what your action created. In other words, the situation is constantly evolving and changing. And if you know that your action is working, then you do more of that. And you keep going and watch how so many people are stuck. (laughs) They don't realize, Satan, if he knows it's working, why do anything else? He's lazy. Why do anything else? If, if, if I can keep you at a place where you keep choosing the wrong type of man to be in your life, and that's what keeps derailing your spiritual walk, why would I do anything else? I don't need chocolate cake. I need tall, dark, and handsome. 
And he keeps coming from all different angles. And you're wondering, well, I just don't understand why this keeps happening. Because you keep saying what you should not be saying. And you keep tolerating what you should not be. And as long as it works. But the moment you learn how to control and bridle your tongue and control that rudder, now he's going, okay, now what are we going to do? Let's watch him a little longer. Let's wait for a more opportune time, and we'll come back. But because it's always an opportune time, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And then you wonder why he will not depart. It works. If you're a person that loves gossip, it works. So what is he going to do? Bring you information? <laughs> Girl, let me tell you what so-and-so did. No, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> what you mean, girl? This is, I don't want to hear it. Well, let me just click. Girl, did you hang up on me? Yes. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> then Satan's like, oh, man, now what are we going to do? All right, y'all, watch him a little longer. Let's find something else. Because he's always looking for entrance. That's why the Bible says give him no advantage, give him no foothold. He's always looking for a spot. And as you guard yourself and realize that if they made him so mad, that he spoke recklessly and it cost him everything? God's still mad about it. Even later, he came back and said, you know, you're a good God and a powerful God and an awesome God, and you're so cool and you're great and wonderful. Uh, I really would like to go in. He said, listen, let this be sufficient. No. And quit talking to me about it. Matter of fact, go talk to Joshua and, and, and take all that flattery you was given to me and flatter Joshua and strengthen him because he's going, you're not. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we have to learn how to guard our mouths. We have to learn that this thing can either ensnare us or it can deliver us. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you. We're so grateful for the light. So grateful for revelation. We're so grateful that we get to walk in it. And we thank you that as you continue to reveal more and more unto us, we are grateful for it. We treat it as pearls of great price. We treat it as highly valuable. We treat it as important. Uh, and we know that as we walk in the light that we have, we qualify for more. And so we thank you for utterance. We're so grateful that you love us enough to continue to help us to grow and help us to develop in all the things concerning you. We bless your holy name. These things we pray in Jesus' name.